Welcome to the Life Church Podcast. We're so glad you joined us today. It's our prayer that this message is a blessing and encouragement to your life. For a list of messages, to stream live services, and for updates about events and more info, visit lifechurchroa.org. Thanks for checking out the podcast. Here's this week's message. Good morning, everyone. Look at somebody and say, man, it's so good to see you today. Oh, y'all got to do better than that. Y'all, y'all ain't sleeping, are you? Man, it's so good to see you today. All right, we're going to put up a little board for just a second because I need it. Thank you, Lexi. I don't know that it's going to work. That's okay. We'll, we'll fix it in a minute when we need it. All right. So if you were here on New Year's Eve, you already know this. We had a great service on New Year's Eve, worshiped in the new year. If you miss New Year's Eve, I understand sometimes it's a little late, right? 11 o'clock. I didn't even think I was going to make it up this year. I started falling asleep playing games back here and eating food. And how many of you know, if I'm falling asleep eating, something's wrong. Come on. Are y'all awake this morning? I'm ready to get into the Word of God, and I need to make sure y'all aren't sleeping, because what I say might not be important, but what the Word says, pretty important. So I want to make sure everybody's awake and ready to go before we get there. We started talking about uh, everyday intersections, okay? We started talking about everyday intersections, and here's, the, here's kind of the, the idea behind it. We say here at Life, we love God, we love people, and we what? Live life together. All right, And sometimes we treat that love God and love people as a four-way stop intersection. So I can love people, right? I can love people, but then when, I get, when I'm coming to church and loving God, I need to stop and take a turn. All right? And then when I leave church, I got to come back and stop and make another turn. And what I said was, and what we talked about was, is that loving God and loving people, that intersection is living life together. But it's not a four-way stop. It's a roundabout. Now, why does that matter? Because roundabouts, even if you don't like them, I know some of you don't like them, roundabouts are much safer than four-way stops. Okay? I'm not just telling you something that I think. Studies show that they are significantly safer, keep traffic moving better than a four-way stop. But they cause anxiety sometimes. Right? You pull up and you're like, there's a new one. You're like, oh my goodness, what do I do? It's like you forget that you can drive and you freak out a little bit, okay? And we talked about this on New Year's Eve. Now, here's the deal. If you missed that, you need to go back and watch that service. You can get to it or listen to it or whatever because everything for the next few weeks that we talk about is going to kind of come out of that. You've got a little, a little glimpse. You can hang in there. You can be with us. But, but, but I'm going to challenge you to go back and listen to that or watch it because in that we outline our four core values, we talk about how these everyday intersections in our lives where we make Jesus our priority, where community is our foundation, where invitation is our instinct, and where transformation is our heart, our intersections in life. And this is how we live life together. And so today, we're going to start by taking one of these and kind of digging a little deeper. Today, we're going to start exploring each of these four things in depth. Now, I want you to notice something when I talk about the first core value. Our first core value is that Jesus is our priority. I didn't say Jesus is a priority. That's important. Wording is important, and we've got to listen because sometimes we live like Jesus is a priority, not the priority. 
Now, I'm preaching about me now, okay? Can I just tell you a secret? When I get up here and preach, it's because normally God, the Holy Spirit, has convicted me for about a month and a half over what I'm going to speak about. I've been dealing with this. Because here's what happens. If you were to ask me to list out my priorities prior to a while back, about a month or a month and a half ago, they would have looked like this. See if that's going to stay. Earlier it stayed. All right, it's okay. I'm going to write some stuff out for you, and then I'll turn it where everybody can see it. Number one would be God. That makes sense, right? God's my priority. I'm a pastor. He's got to be my priority, right? Okay, just making sure we're all on the same page. Number two, I would say my wife. Because I'm going to get in trouble if she's not a priority. Amen? Guys, can I get an amen? Ladies, can I get a better amen? <laughs> Come on. Our spouse, okay? So ladies, that, that includes your husband here. Okay? Three would be my kids. Some of y'all might have a problem with that, with my wife being above my kids. That's okay. You're allowed to have a problem with them. They're my priorities, not yours. Okay? Number four, my family. I love my family. And I want them to be in my priority list. Number five, my friends. Okay? Number six, I work. I really do enjoy what I do. I love being a pastor. I love pastoring people. Although that's also the hardest part of the job. But I love it. It's a priority. This is not a bad list, right? It's pretty good. Makes sense for a pastor, doesn't it? Are we on the same page? Everybody awake? Everybody looking? God, wife, kids, family, friends, work. That's a guy I can look at and say, okay, he's got his priorities straight. Here's the problem. Jesus cannot be a priority on my list. God cannot be a priority on my list. Here's what happens, okay? I need you to follow me today and and don't boo me off the stage because many of us say, well, God is my first priority. I want you to change your thinking a little bit today. And it's going to be based on what Jesus says. I just need you to follow along with me, okay? I don't want you to think as God as the number one priority, okay? Okay? As a priority on your list, I want you to think of him as the priority. You hear the difference? I want to make sure you're hearing the nuances in this. God is not a priority in my life. He is the priority in my life. So my list will change based on that. He doesn't need a position on the list because he's the paper I'm writing on. He's the pen that I'm writing with. Come on. Are you, do, you, do you understand where I'm going here? I'm saying he's more important than we've given him credit for. When we make out our priority list, we say God's number one. And what that means is is that I'm going to give him my time. I'm going to read my Bible this week. I'm going to go to church. I'm going to pray. I'm going to do all the stuff I'm supposed to do. But when it comes time after I finish that and I can put a check beside it, I'm going to move on. Guys, we can't leave God behind up here at number one on the list. He is the list. And you might think, well, wait a minute, pastor, does that mean you don't pay attention to your wife and your kids and your family and your friends and your work? No, I'm a better husband because God is my priority. I'm a better dad because God is my priority. I'm a better pastor because God is my priority. I'm a better son because God is the priority in my life. 
When we say Jesus is our priority, we're not talking about that he's number one on the list. He is the list. He is the priority. He's so much more. Listen, I'm talking about growing from from the moment of salvation into what we call in the church. It's a big church word, right? Sanctification. I'm talking about becoming more like Christ every day. I'm talking about taking a step and realizing that when I come to church, it's to grow. When I come to church, it's to connect. It's It's to be a part of a body that loves Jesus so much that he's not just number one on the list. He is the list. The very fabric of my list and the priorities in my life, the paper that I write on, the pen that I write with, the intention in which I love my wife, the intention in which I love my kids and my family and my friends, and the intention in which I do my work. He's not at the top of the list. He is the list. I need that. Listen, you could go home right now. That's the message, but I need you to hear it from Jesus instead of me. Okay? So don't leave just yet. But you could. That's the message. If you want to know what we're talking about today, that's it. That should have been the ending of my message instead of the beginning, but I needed you to be there with me. We're going on a journey today because it is not easy to take Jesus from a priority on my list to the priority of my list. It is not an easy path to walk because things get in the way. My attitude gets in the way. My words get in the way. My ways get in the way. Here's the deal. We're talking about a new year, right? I've heard this so many times this week. New year, new me. (sighs) Look, I need to lose weight. I need to do a lot of things, okay? But can I tell you that the number one thing I can do is understand that Jesus is not something I check off my list every day or every week. He is something that I live everywhere I go, everything that I do, everything that I say, every thought that comes across my head, every television show that I watch, every website that I go to, every book that I read, every thought that I have about someone, every word that I speak to someone, every way that I love my spouse, every way that I love my kids, how hard I do my job. I am not looking for the approval of some man for my list. I'm looking for the approval of Jesus Christ. Come on. Okay, i got to quit talking and we got to get into the Word because we got a lot of Word. I recently read a story about a guy who attended a Christian leadership conference with a friend. The keynote speaker was a full-time Christian worker with a big personality. He told him they spent three, told the people they spent three hours a day in devotions. That's cool. Anybody got three hours right now? I, I mean, seriously. But I love it. I think it's great. And so did the person who was with this guy. And they said, I'm going to commit to that. I'm going to do three hours a day of devotions because I want, I want to be like this guy. I want, I want that level of dedication and that, and that, and, and a week went by and this friend called the, the other friend that was there and said, this is impossible. I don't know how they do it. I do everything that I can to make it happen. And the only way that I see it happening is if I choose to not sleep, I'm sleeping seven to eight hours a night If I can't give Jesus three hours, but I can give sleep seven to eight, do you think he even loves me? That sounds ridiculous, right? But we kind of go there sometimes. 
We kind of live in that, that mindset sometimes. And the friend that was at the conference with this person said, do you think God wants you to sleep? Do you think God wants you to sleep, church? The answer is yes. Yeah. Not in church. <laughs> Too late. <laughs> Just kidding. If you feel comfortable enough with me and the people around you to take a nap during church and the word is still getting in you, that's between you and Jesus. I'd rather you be here taking a nap than not be here at all. All right. He asked, do you think God wants you to sleep? And, and do you think he designed your body to function better when you sleep? What you need? Absolutely. Anybody ever worked on a lack of sleep? You ever said something stupid when you were working on a lack of sleep? <gasps> Pastor said stupid from the pulpit. He absolutely wants us to work from the way that he's created us to function. And then he asked the question, and does God want you to do your, jo your job diligently to love your family and your friends? And the, the, the friend said, yes, absolutely. And he said, then doing those things is part of loving God. He said, I don't think it's a surprise that you own to God that you only have 24 hours in a day. Sure, you might need to sacrifice some things or disappoint some people in order to serve God faithfully, he said, but there must be a way of loving God completely in the amount of time that you're given. Here's the way, church. Can I, can I just, I need this to be front and center before we hear what, because what Jesus says is going to be harder than what I'm saying. This list is problematic for me. Maybe it's not for you. Maybe you've got this under control. I'm telling you, I'm, I'm preaching from my standpoint right now. Because I'll check this box and then move on. I'll do my devotions. I'll read my Bible. I'll pray. And now it's time to do everything else I have to do in my, in my day. And it's problematic because it leaves God here up in whatever time I do this, whether it's the beginning of the day, the end of the day, or the middle of the day, and everything else. He wants to be a part of my whole life. All 24 hours of my day. He wants more than just to be allocated to number one on my list. And if that sounds sacrilegious, and if you go and pick a few things out of here, out of this sermon from the video, you can make me sound like a really bad person, but he can't be number one on my list. He has to be my list. Now, now watch, watch this. We're going we're gonna to get into... We're going to get into uh, our sermon. Go ahead and turn to John chapter 6. John chapter 6. Jesus has just fed 5,000 plus people. I'm going to take this down so it's not distracting anybody. Mainly me. Jesus has just fed 5,000 people. You can go back and read that. It's an incredible story and he did it for free. Now, we had uh, the Northside High School band at our house every Thursday during football season. It wasn't even the whole band. It was somewhere between 30 to 40-some students, and we fed them. And I got to tell you, feeding 5,000 people would be expensive because feeding 40 people was expensive, okay? It was crazy. Them kids could eat. They might not talk much, but they're going to eat, all right? 
especially the things that they liked. And who would have thought baked potato bar was the biggest hit, right? That was the, but, but they ate, and it was expensive. Jesus feeds 5,000-plus people for free, okay? And after that, he went off to himself because how many of you know that would have wore you out? That'd wear somebody out caring for 5,000 people. You've heard me say this before, but the worst part about being an adult is trying to figure out what dinner's going to be every day. That's terrible. I, need, I just need somebody to plan that for me and coordinate that for me. And you're thinking, I can do that, Pastor. I don't have enough money to pay you to do it. Because I know what it costs to do it. It's terrible. He goes off to himself after feeding the 5,000 and the disciples decide to sail across the lake. And Jesus comes to them later that night walking on the water. It's an incredible scene. You need to go back and read it. It's not where we're at today. But this sets the stage for where we are. That, that, that there are three signs that Jesus is the priority in our lives. If you're taking notes, this is where you want to write down some stuff. Okay, If you're not taking notes, you should be taking notes. There are three signs in this that we're going to read about that Jesus is the priority. I'm going to give you the first sign. It's that I trust him with everything. Trust him with everything. John chapter 6, verse 22, we're going to read through to, uh, verse 29 for now. says this, The next day the crowd that had stayed on the far shore, now we're talking about the 5,000 plus people, many of them stayed over on the side where Jesus fed them. Now the disciples are over here, Jesus is over here. The crowd that stayed on the far shore saw that the disciples had taken the only boat and they realized Jesus had not gone with them. Several boats from... Uh, Tiberius landed near the place where the Lord had blessed the bread and the people had eaten. So when the crowd saw that neither Jesus nor his disciples were there, they got onto the boats and went across to Capernaum to look for him. They found him on the other side of the lake and asked, Rabbi, when did you get here? I think it's funny that they asked that question in the sense that they, like, almost like they were there first. Right? But really, they were following Jesus. This is what somebody should do. We ought to be actively seeking Jesus like this. But your motive's got to be right, and their motives aren't right. I'm giving you a little, little, little scene for you. If you're actively seeking Jesus, your motives have to be right. Their, their motives weren't right. Jesus wasn't the priority in their lives. We're going to find out here in a minute what is the priority. Bread. They're looking for food. So they follow Jesus to the other side, and they say, When did you get here? good to see you again like he didn't just feed them yesterday right like my kids I feed them breakfast and then they come looking for lunch seriously I just fed you breakfast and they're like that was three hours ago I'm like what's your point hey so Jesus they're over there Jesus they say to Jesus when did you get here I love this because Jesus Always one to kind of just lay it out. In verse 26 says, I tell you the truth, you want to be with me because I fed you, not because you understood the miraculous sign. Ouch. Jesus said, you want to be with me because I'm a priority, but I'm not the priority. You want to be with me because you think you can get something from me. I'm, I'm on your list, but I'm not the list. You want to be with me because I gave you bread. He says, but don't be so concerned about perishable things like food. Spend your energy seeking the eternal life that the Son of Man can give you. For God the Father has given me the seal of his approval. They replied, we want to perform God's works too. What should we do? 
didn't. They wanted bread. Jesus told them, this is the only work God wants from you. Believe in the one who has, he has sent. Believe in the one he has sent. Now, this crowd had been satisfied once uh, by what Jesus had done for them. And now they wanted to see what else Jesus could do. But they failed to realize that the miracle was actually, the miracle wasn't the thing Jesus wanted them to experience. He wanted them to experience him. He wanted them to understand who he was. He is the Messiah. He has come to save those who are lost. He has come to be the king, but not the kind of king they want him to be. In fact, after they, they tried to make him king, and Jesus was like, nah, we ain't doing that. Because y'all want to make me king over, over just you, but I, I got, my father's got bigger plans. They had a moment where they experienced Jesus, but they didn't allow that to change them. They didn't allow that to cause them to grow. All they got was thinking about was the bread. How am I going to eat today? If I don't go home and bake bread, I can stay here and Jesus is going to feed me. He's on the list, but he's not the list. He's up there. They, had, they don't understand yet. They don't get it. They wanted a meal, but Jesus was looking to give them more. He wanted them to see him and understand him as the priority in life. The one they could trust for and with everything. They had their own ideas. can't just be something on our list. He wants us to trust him in every aspect of our life. I have to trust him with my wife. my kids, with my finances. I have to trust him with this church. You know how hard that is for me? I'm a control freak. That's my wife. She knows better than anybody. Pay attention to that voice. When she says amen, there's truth. All right? I'm a control freak. I like, to, I like everything to be in nice, neat little boxes and know where everything is and how everything's working. And can I tell you, the church is a messy place. Pastor Sarah said it this morning. Right? When you, when you start doing the kind of things that they do, it's messy. And can I tell you, when, 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 when we're in a field together and a bunch of sheep and some shepherds, not always a great place to be. Sometimes it stinks. Sometimes shepherds use the staff a little the wrong way every once in a while. Sometimes sheep bite. Right? That just happens. It can be messy. I don't like messy. Now, if you went in my office right now, you wouldn't know that. Because we just come off of a crazy season of Christmas and it's a mess. I don't like messy. I get anxious around mess. I get anxious around things that I can't control, yet God's put me in a position where literally I can't control because this is His church. I just have to be faithful. I have to trust him with everything. I got to trust him with my finances. Today, the conclusion of the sermon is going to be this. We're going to start a 21-day fast, a 21-day fast and prayer time. And the very first thing that we're going to pray, we have three prayer points each week for three weeks. Family, finances, and future. Because families are under attack. Finances are under attack. And the future keeps us so worried and anxious that we, we don't know what's going on. 
We, th- there are people in our world and, and some in this room that are so concerned about who the next president of the United States is, we've forgotten that we have a king, not a president. Come on. I ain't trying to be ugly. It just is what it is. Jesus says, I want to be the priority. All right, we got to keep going because I'm going from preaching to meddling now. So I have to trust him in every area with my job, my kids, my wife, everything, right? Here's what Jesus says. You follow his commands? It looks like loving him. You want to love God? Follow his commands. Right? You want to make him the priority? Do what he says. Trust him. Second is this. We have to hunger for him alone. John 6, we're going to keep reading verse 30. It says, they answered, show us a miraculous sign if you want us to believe in you. What can you do? I want you to, I'm going to stop here because that's incredibly terrible of them. This isn't what I want to say. I don't know what I want to say, but I want to make it worse. He just fed 5,000 people with a couple loaves of bread and some fish. And they're saying, show us another sign. We'll believe if you show us something else. No, you won't. You will not. Talk about not keeping New Year's resolutions. You will not. If you you were going to believe, you would have believed yesterday. Jesus says, so I love this because they keep going. Mm. They say, after all, our ancestors ate manna while they journeyed through the wilderness. The scriptures say Moses, listen to this, Moses gave them bread from heaven to eat. <laughs> Jesus. Jesus' words, this is it. Jesus said, I tell you the truth, Moses didn't give you bread from heaven. Moses didn't give you anything. My father did, and now he offers you the true bread from heaven. Ooh, come on. Come on. The true bread of God is the one who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, give us this bread every day. They're still thinking about physical bread. They're still thinking about their stomachs. They haven't seen Jesus. They don't understand that it isn't just about knowing who Jesus is. It's about making him the priority in your life. It's about becoming like him. It's changing who I am. Paul said, my righteousness is filthy rags. It's nothing. I got to be like him. So he... They, they go on, they want to know this. Jesus said, they says, give us this bread. So Jesus says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. We have to hunger for him alone. Your ancestors, he said, ate man in the wilderness, but they all died. Anyone who eats the bread from heaven, however, will never die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Anyone who eats this bread will live forever in this bread, which I will offer so the world may live is my flesh. Now, this crowd had seen the miracle of the multiplication of loaves, but they wanted more. It, doesn't it kind of sound like our society? Show me more. Give me, give me proof. Tell me. Tell me more about it. And, and, and listen, it isn't just our society. The church is very similar, right? We, sometimes we want proof from God before we'll do something. God, if you bless me, I'll do what you tell me to do. No, 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 no. That's, that's not the priority. That's a priority. We have to hunger for him alone, not for what he gives us. Those are great things, but I hunger for him, not for what he can give me. It changes. You understand, we're talking about small shifts in our thinking. 
We're not talking, I'm not asking you to make a major life change today. I'm asking you to make a small shift in your thinking. No matter how long you've been in this faith, no matter how long you've known Jesus, no matter how many hymns you've sang, no matter how many times you've read through the Bible, no matter how many people you've led to Jesus, you and I still have to grow and become more like Christ. Sanctification, that big word I used earlier, that's a process that's going to take all the way up until the time we are standing in His presence in heaven. The Jews tried to give Moses credit. Jesus wasn't having it. He said, Moses is higher on your list than I am. And I don't even want to be on it. I want to be it. You ever been so hungry for something that you would do almost anything to get it? There used to be an old commercial, remember? What would you do for a Klondike bar? I don't like Klondike bars, so I wouldn't do much. But a Reese cup, I'd do all kinds of sketchy stuff for I love Reese cups. <laughs> Gross. Oh, man. The altars will be open later. Do you hunger for the presence of Jesus in your life? Honestly. So I'm asking a very serious question. It's easy to say yes, but I want you to think about it. Do you hunger for more of his presence in your life? Do you ache? Do you, will you do what it takes? Will you, do, when you get up on Sunday mornings to come together, do you dread this moment or are you hungry to be here and worship with people who have a like mind? I'm talking about coming in and being ready to go. I'm talking about living life and being ready to go. That when you walk into work, I'm not working for some company or some man. I'm working for Jesus. And I'm going to do everything I can to make sure that I'm doing it like I'm doing it for him. They wanted a daily supply of physical bread. But God has sent Jesus to supply spiritual needs. Salvation, eternal life. There's nothing we can do to make this a reality outside of trusting in Jesus, believing in Him, hungering for Him. The third thing is this. I have to embrace His love. That's really hard. Because embracing His love means I love people the way He loves them. You want to know the difference between God being number one and, and my spouse and, and, and him just being something I check off the list and God being the list and the way I treat Casey? It means I treat her like Jesus treated the church. You know what Jesus did for the church? Died. Gave up everything. Gave up everything for the church. Gave up everything for you and me. I got to treat her the way he treats the church. I got to love her that way. If he's just something on my list, I can check it off and move on. But if he's the list, then his commands matter. It changes how I interact with my kids, how I interact with you. Jump down to verse 60. I'm going to encourage you to read this whole chapter. It's an incredible chapter in John. We didn't have time to read it all today. Jump down to verse 60. Jesus, in between, explains exactly what it means that he's the bread of life. And it says this in verse 60, many of his disciples said, this is a very hard teaching to understand. How can anyone accept it? Jesus was aware that his disciples were complaining, so he said to them, does this offend you? Then what will you think if you see the Son of Man ascend to heaven again? The Spirit alone gives eternal life. Human effort accomplishes nothing. And the very words I've spoken to you are spirit and life. Pause here for just a second because this kind of echoes back to the woman at the well. 
And he says he's the living water. And he says, anybody who drinks will never have to drink again. She says, give me the water. I want you to see the difference in the response that she had and the people. He tells her who he is. He shows her. He doesn't even really show her a sign. She just, other than he, other than he tells her about his, her, his, uh, her life. And she takes off running to share who he is because she grows in this moment. She changes in this moment. This crowd of disciples, they weren't following. They just wanted something. He wasn't the priority. And so he keeps pointing this out. He talks about spirit and life. He talks about spirit a lot with the woman at the well, too. Verse 64 says, But some of you do not believe me, for Jesus knew from the beginning which ones didn't believe, and he knew who would betray him. Then he said, That is why I said that people can't come to me unless the Father gives them to me. At this point, many of the disciples turned away and deserted him. Then Jesus turned to the twelve and asked, Are you also going to leave? I want you to listen to the response. Simon, Peter, Peter puts his foot in his mouth a lot. But two or three times, he says some incredible things. He says, Lord, to whom would we go? You have the words that give eternal life. We believe and we know you are the Holy One of God. You think Peter really, truly, 100% got that in that moment? But he believed. He didn't really fully understand what he was saying in that moment. But he learns. He embraced the love that was offered from Jesus. And we see Peter later not just embrace it, but learn how to be the example of it. Jesus wants us to understand that following him will not be easy. But if we want to, have, if, if we, want to we have to embrace his love. Peter's declaration was a statement of faith. It wasn't a claim of complete understanding. He was convinced that when Jesus spoke, the truth about eternal life flowed in his words. Peter wanted what Jesus had to give more than he wanted the bread. Peter was beginning to make Jesus the priority on his list. Not just a priority. Not just something that he did so that he could check it off. Disciples have to make Jesus the priority. Do we really desire eternal life? For many, eternally, eternity is a, a hard subject to talk about. Life's going well. Death and disease are usually distant and, and unreal. Relationships, pleasures, and possessions are too cherished to even think about forsaking to think about death. The fact that we will be dead infinitely longer than we will have lived is denied by far too many of us, far too much of our lives. Jesus' words, Peter said, are the only source of eternal life. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. When Jesus is only a priority, we pick him up and put him down. We stop at the intersections, drop him and pick something else back up instead of following through like a roundabout. So everyday intersections, choices we have to make. When I go into my workplace, do I leave Jesus at the door? 
Or do I live for him in my workplace? Work like I'm working for him in my workplace. You know, there's a, there's a phenomenon right now uh, in our world called quiet quitting. You ever heard of quiet quitting? You know what I'm talking about? Quiet quitting is simply this. I, I'm not going to quit my job. But I'm not going to give them 100%. Right? I'm not going to quit my job, but I'm not going to do my best. I'm going to do the bare minimum because they treat me like dirt. I don't want nothing to do with it. I'm going to do the bare minimum. So I'm going to quiet quit is what that means. That phenomenon, is it right for them to treat their employees wrong? No, absolutely not. But I control my life, my list, not theirs. And if my list is contingent upon somebody else's list, then Jesus isn't in control of it. He's not the list. We do that with our spouses sometimes too and our kids. I hear far too many times people say, well, if they'll do this, I'll do that. No, 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 no. Becoming more like Christ means that I'm willing to live like him means that I'm willing to do what he wants me to do. Here's the deal. When he is the priority, we trust him, we hunger for him, and we embrace him. And these are three small but very significant things. And it's just a small tweak in our thinking. I want to challenge you. The next 21 days, our church together is going to be doing a, a fast and time of fasting and prayer. As you head out today, you're going to be given this piece of paper. It gives you the fasting focuses for each week. And on the back, it has some frequently asked questions about fasting. How do we fast? What are some types of fasts? So you might be thinking, well, Pastor, I can't participate in that because physically I can't fast. Oh, yeah, you can. There's something everybody can do back here. Okay? I'm going to challenge you. I'm going to challenge you. And whether you do it for the full 21 days or you just do it some during those 21 days, together, I believe prayer is what changes things. I believe when we begin to focus on things that God focuses on, that God has called us to focus on. It changes our, our lives, our communities, our church, our families. And so my challenge to you today is simply this. If Jesus is more than a priority, but he's the priority in your life, he's not just something on your list, but something you, you understand needs to be the list. He's a priority in my marriage. He's not just a priority. He's the priority. He's the priority in my workplace, the priority in my church, the priority with my friends. What does that mean? That means when we're sitting around goofing off, I might not sound like my friends anymore. He's the priority with my kids. Salvation was never meant to be a place where we stopped. It was always supposed to lead to growing 
Sanctification, this, that big word we've been talking about, that process of becoming more like Christ. My biggest fear is that for so many of us, the muddy ground, the hard, the, the hard to travel ground of life has caused us to get stuck. And we're closer to the beginning of our faith than where we're going. Jesus has got to be the priority. I want to encourage you. My challenge to you is if you're stuck in some mud and your shoe is so deep that you can't get it out, leave your shoe behind. If you've been around this church for any amount of time, you know that it gets muddy back here in the field and over towards the parsonage and around. A number of years ago, we were working with the students here at Life. And there was a student here who was, uh, didn't listen and got too close to the creek. And he hit a spot that was really soft and he sank like this. I mean, his leg was in the mud. And we had to pull him out. Like, we had to yank him out of the mud, and his shoe got stuck. We couldn't get his shoe out. It's still there. It's not a joke. I'm not messing with you. The shoe's still there. Kid went home without a shoe. Mom was not happy. But he had been told. (laughs) I'm going to challenge you. Don't be so concerned about the shoe the bread, whatever you, want to, whatever you want to say, that you're not willing to leave it behind for the God who gave it to you in the first place. You're not willing to leave it behind to make him a priority. You're not willing to leave it behind. Don't, don't be like that. He's got too much for us in these everyday intersections. Just bow your head and close your eyes. Jesus, we come before you today. Lord, we heard your words. Don't be so concerned about the bread that you miss the Savior. Lord, today I admit and confess that for far too long you've been a part of my list, but not the list. Father, for far too long... I've placed you in a, in a place of honor in my mind that you wanted so much more than that. So Lord, today, I repent. Lord, help me to turn from that, to understand that you want so much more to be involved in my life than just to be a, a box that I check at the top of my list. But Lord, you want, you want me to live every moment with you, every experience with you, every every interaction with you, everything that I do. Lord, today I choose to make you the priority. Lord, if that resonates with you today and you would say, I just, I'm choosing today to make Jesus the priority in my life. I want you just to stand all across the room. I'm going to make Jesus the priority today. It's going to be tough. I might not. 
I might not completely understand what I'm even committing to, but I'm going to believe that God is going to do this. Maybe Listen, you, might, you may have been saved your entire life. If you can't stand today and, 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 and you, need, you just want to, somebody to recognize, you want it to be recognized that you are in this, I want you to just lift up your hand. Because I know there's some of you that can't. That's okay. Jesus, you see every person in this room. You know what this moment means. Lord, the truth is that we could have this moment, we could have this experience, and we could walk out and it mean absolutely nothing. Father, we can be like these disciples who went away and deserted you. Lord, I believe that today there are people in this room who are saying, standing together and saying, I'm going to love God, love people, live life together and change this from a four-way stop to something that I constantly do, something that keeps me moving, something that takes points of conflict away. Everyday intersections, Father, of our lives, making you the priority, Father. Father, today we choose to trust you with everything, to hunger for you alone, and to embrace your love. You're standing today, or you raised your hand as you head out. This This is the challenge for today, to take part in the 21 days in some way, shape, or form. Maybe you can only do one day of fasting, whatever. Okay. Maybe you choose to to give up something that you dearly love. Maybe for you it's a soul fast and you give up social media or TV or or whatever. I just want to start this year out individually and collectively saying, Jesus, you are the priority. Amen? Amen. Let's close out today worshiping together. Thanks for joining us for this week's message. Don't forget to visit us at LifeChurchROA on Instagram and Facebook for updates, service times, and ways to get involved. If you made a decision to follow Jesus today, we would love to partner with you on your next steps. Visit LifeChurchROA.org slash Jesus to learn more. We love you and we can't wait to see you soon.